Welcome to the church. 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 I'm Cindy Linton, and I want to welcome you to the church. My husband, Josh, and I are pastors of a growing congregation of people in Normal, Illinois, joining together in an effort to honor God, love people, and discover truth. Thank you for joining us today. title this morning is about a defenseless city and I'm not going too far into the book of Nehemiah this morning but I'm just going into the first four verses of Nehemiah and what I want to share with us is is something that God has laid on my heart a long time ago it is before you can ever build you got to notice what's broken you ever tried to build something and you didn't realize it was broken but you start building it anyway, and as you get building up higher and higher and higher, not, not the foundation, but there's issues that are going on that you just couldn't see, and as you build on top of it, everything gets shaky and everything gets to be firm. Well, when we look in the book of Nehemiah this morning, he, he is stirred and he is moved by this defenseless city. So the Bible says this, there are, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of you can, you can announce that name. In late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the twelfth year of King Aretaxus' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa, Nehemiah. <laughs> this is going to be fun. We're going to have some fun today. Because you got to have fun in the Lord, right? <laughs> Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. We've been preaching about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and about Daniel, and this is the captivity that he's talking about. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The, walls of the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Everybody say the wall and the gates. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. What I want to focus on this morning is not the second part of that sentence, but the first part. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. There was a movement that came upon across Nehemiah's heart. Because what he had heard is he heard about his home. He heard about his identity. And what was his identity? It was broken. It was destroyed. And there's things and there's situations and you might have a lot of your stuff put together. But there's things that are trying to crack your identity. There's things that are trying to tear apart your identity in God this morning. And if we're not careful, we're going to find a city defenseless. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much, God, for just the privilege 
to be in your presence. God, the opportunity to hear your word. Lord, I pray that you would remove me from this pulpit this morning, God, and that you would just have your way and have your liberty today, Lord Jesus. God, I give you all of the praise and all of the glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say amen. You can be seated this morning. It is no coincidence that today is the start of football. Can I get a football from anybody? Anybody excited about football? All of the men said, yes. We have something to do while our wives take a nap on Sunday. And that's really what it is. My, my wife, she has to take a Sunday nap. And I mean, the Lord doesn't want me to be bored, right? So he's just like, look, I'll put this barbarian thing on and you can kind of check it out. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, some of you get into the fantasy stuff like you, Landon, right? I heard Landon asking Sayo what he had on his fantasy team. You know, that used to be me last year. But <laughs> but what do they say? What do they say about football? They say that you must have that a good what wins championships. A good defense wins championships, right? A good defense. And no, no, I'm not uh, talking about uh football this morning. What I am is I'm distracting as I try to get my (laughs) iPad going here. Um, But when it comes to defenses, they say that defenses win championships. And what I want to talk to the church about this morning is the understanding that if defense in a game can win a championship, what could it do in our spiritual life? You see, we've adapted these walls and these gates that we don't utilize. We begin to walk in the presence of God and we begin to think that there needs to be no buildings and no structures. We begin to walk in God's word and we let it go in what? One ear and out the other. We begin to not build, but all the while the enemy is coming to us on the Savannah Plains and he's saying, look how easy pickings these people are. Look how easy it is to get to them. His name was Nehemiah. He was later read as the cupbearer to the king, a cupbearer whose job was just to taste the food and drink the food to ensure that the king was not poisoned. Anybody like that job? Do you remember at the grocery stores? I don't know if they do this. I don't really visit grocery stores much anymore, but when I was younger, we would visit Cub Foods. Anybody remember Cub Foods? You would walk through Cub Foods, and I would go with my mom, and they would have these people that put out little plates of food that they cooked on a griddle in the freezer section. Anybody with me? Come on, and they'd get toothpicks, and you were only supposed to get one, but if you were slick enough, you just went around, and you come back, and you got another one. That's what I picture as a taste tester to the king, right? It's not. It was, it was more challenging, but in, in my imagination, that's what a taste tester was because when I was little at Cub Foods, I was a taste tester, and, and you got to tell your mom, hey, go ahead and get those, but, or that's horrible. Don't, don't get that. And more times than not, it was horrible, and you didn't want to get it anyway. That's why they gave it out for free. As you get older, you start to understand things that are free probably aren't the... Anyway, so he was not... He was not on special terms to the king like Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were advisors and governors. He was nothing more than a taste tester. 
He was common. Matter of fact, he was below common. I don't know what you have to do to be a taste tester to the king, but it's not somebody that he holds in high regard because you literally are close to him, but all you are is to make sure that he doesn't die. So he was a common individual. So what I need for the church to hear is you don't have to be somebody. You just need to be. When you start looking at building walls, these walls aren't specific to a position or a place or a title. These walls are necessary for your individual lives. I know we talk a lot about the body, but in order to have a body, you've got to have individual cells. Is anybody with me this morning? When you get into the body, your individualism doesn't leave. It becomes part of the body. You strengthen the body by your individualism. We talk about coming together. Yes, come together. But there's got to be you in it. And if your walls and your cities are torn down, you know what you're doing? You're inviting it into the whole body. You're inviting it in. If my finger gets leprosy, you know what it's going to do? It's going to infect the whole body. And so what I'm talking about this morning is I'm talking to a faithful people, but I need you to understand that if we don't get these principles, how are we ever going to share it with anybody else? If we don't understand that our city needs to be built up, that our walls need to be secure, how are we ever going to tell and share with anybody else? Because here's what I've learned in my short time of being a pastor. People know Jesus, and people real quick to decide if, decide if they want to serve Him or not. Real quick, it's a quick decision. It doesn't take beating over the head. We don't preach Jesus to beat over the head. We preach it as a reminder of how good He is, amen? Because sometimes I just need reminded. But here's what I know about people. People, when they come to know the Lord, they automatically think their troubles are going to go away. Can I get a testimony from anybody that that's just not how it happens? But we sit and we question, why God, why me? Why God, why me? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? And the whole time, through His Word, God is giving us instructions of fortification in our lives. And we're sitting here just letting the enemy come in and pillage and go out and pillage. You ever read the Old Testament? You ever read about the Hebrews and, and, and the people, the, the isms that would just come in and, and, and the ites, I'm sorry, the ites that would just move in and they would take all of their crops and then they would just leave? They would come in and take all of their stuff and they would just leave. They had no defenses in that time. So you know what they did? They ran and hid in the caves. We're well past this point as we are well past this point in modern society. Is there anybody that lives in a cave here today? If you are, I would just like to come check it out. Don't want to stay too long, but I would just like to see what it looks like. No, there are none of us that live in caves any longer. Why? Because we have become civilized, have we not? How many of you have a door on your house? How many of you shut your door when you left this morning? How many of you have a lock? Oh, Trevor, did she? Yep, you got to check, right? How many of you have locks? I have a lock on my door. How many of you locked your door before you left this morning? How many of you didn't leave out your front door, but you left your garage and you closed your garage and the same thing? Yeah, right? Why do we do that? Because we don't want somebody to come in and steal our stuff. I'm simple. I told you. I'm simple. It's the toe dipping in just the toe this morning. I'm simple. Because here's what I'm going to ask you. We simply do that in our homes, but we don't simply do that with this. You know what we do with this? We just set it over there and go, well, it'll be there when I get back to it. And I'm not talking about the word. I'm talking about your faith. 
our faith. We sit it out on a line. So anybody that wants could come in and swipe at it and grab at it and do whatever it wants. And, and we take the scripture that when somebody smacks me, I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. Yes, you are, but you're also supposed to defense. There's also supposed to be defense around your life so that you're not constantly taking abuse. I'm tired of being told as a Christian that I'm supposed to be a whipping boy for the world because I'm not. And neither are you. And there has to be a boldness that comes up inside of us, that wells up inside of us, a warrior spirit, if you would, that says there's got to be times where I've got to sleep. And in those moments of rest, I want to know that there's protection and safety around me. We often refer to it as the body of that, but can I tell you, it's walls in your life that are going to do that. It's gates in your life that are going to do that. And when you cling up with the body, that's even more security and more comfort. But if you're just coming in as a weary traveler, yeah, you're going to be beaten. Yeah, you're going to be destroyed because you know who's out there? Vagabonds. You know who's out there? Murderers. You know who's out there? Thieves. You ever read the story of the Good Samaritan? You know who's out there? Busy people. Are we supposed to avoid them? No. But we're supposed to have a place that we can come back to in the Lord where we can get peace and nourishment and comfort. Come on. There's got to be a place where we can get to. Has anybody ever felt hopeless in this room? I felt hopeless. You know what you do in those moments? Nothing. You do nothing. And you know why you don't do anything? Because you're gripped. You're gripped with everything that represents hopelessness. You're gripped with everything and you don't know what to do. You're gripped to the point that you don't know to sit, to stand, or to run. And you just stay there. Can I tell you, more times than not, we face hopelessness more than we face hope. Because we have gotten our place to the point that we think these four walls are our safety and our security. And they're not. They're not. They're not in the instance that these aren't the only walls that we should be depending on. Because these are physical structures. This is a physical place. This is a physical happening. And the spiritual is trying to talk to us this morning that God has more for us. Doors are put on buildings to allow things to come in and things to go out. If you don't have walls on your city, stuff's just moving in freely. I'm being shallow this morning. I'll get deeper as we go the next couple weeks. But there are walls that people have in their life that are missing big giant sections. And things are just walking in and walking out as they please. The enemy is terrorizing us to the point that we start to question our own faith and our own sanity. It's why mental health is so much on the rise. Because we have said, well, pastor, you build the wall for me, and then I'll just come in for safety. It's not that way. We've got to build it for ourselves so that when the enemy comes up to a wall, he says, I can't pass. I can't get by. When the enemy comes knocking on the door, I look out and I go, not today. And he can't get in. You see how simple it is? You say, well, I want to learn more about my walk with Jesus. I want to further my walk with Jesus. you got to start at the beginning. We start at the cross, don't we? But then we start to build. We start to build. We start to build safety and security. Is it so I can hide inside? No, it's so I can get rest and comfort. So that I can then go outside. And then so I can come in and get rest and comfort. And then so I can go outside. I don't have a flashy sermon. I don't have a lot of fire. I'm trying to teach this morning. 
I'm trying to teach this morning. I don't even have a a closing this morning that's going to encourage you to necessarily give your life to the Lord. What I have this morning is I'm coming from the place of Hananiah. I'm not even preaching as Nehemiah this morning who built things. I'm preaching from Hananiah's perspective, the brother who came to give the story because there's people sitting in here today who have walls that are torn down, who have gates that are missing, and I can preach Jesus till I'm blue in the face, but if we don't want to do anything about it, then what does it all matter? Because I'm... <laughs> I know we face struggles in life. I know. I know we do, but we have the greatest blessing and the greatest gift man has ever known or been given. Amen? And yet we struggle. I'm not saying there's not going to be struggles. There is. But boy, when I know that I've got a strong tower that I can run into. Come on. When I know that I've got a strong tower that I can find safe and comfort in. I don't got to worry about what's going on around me. I don't need to plead and beg because I can just run in. The the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are what? Saved. Do you believe that this morning? Because that's walls. That's walls, Lord, hedges of protection about me. You know what hedges were in the Old Testament? Walls. They were structures that the enemy couldn't come in. When the hedges were torn down, the enemy could come in and they could loot and they could plunder, but they couldn't see what's on the other side. There was safety, there was protection. You got to hear me from Hananiah's perspective this morning. The city is in rough shape. Church, the church is doing better than it's ever been. Amen? The church is doing better than it's ever been. Then why are so many Christians struggling more than they've ever struggled? Why are so many of us facing things that we've never faced? You know why? Because our gates are open and our walls are broken down. God didn't put us in this place just to get by. He put us to thrive. Oh, pastor, you're talking about an ancient city and ancient gates. No, I'm talking about a physical city and physical gates right now. I'm talking about places and things where God is wanting to take us. Not things that God wants us just to get through, but things God wants us to overcome. So that when we talk to somebody, we can not only introduce them to Jesus, but we can start showing them how to walk down the road of life that God has put us on. Step by step by step, we begin to grow in the Lord. First Peter 2 and 9 says, But you are not like that. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He has called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. You are a royal people. You are a chosen people. Put up your walls and fix your gates. Stop letting the enemy come in and pillage you week by week. Every time Monday comes around at 10 o'clock, stop letting the enemy walk right in. Every time Tuesday at 4 comes around, stop letting the enemy enter in that gate that's been broken down for quite a while. You got clutter in your home? I've got places of clutter. Don't go to my junk drawer. You got places of clutter in your home? A lot of times we don't like to deal with it. So you know what we do? We cut it out of our sight, don't we? There's that room, there's that place, there's that drawer. Don't go into that drawer. We cut it out of our sight. If we do that in the natural, you know what we do in the spiritual? The same thing. Tiff, don't go over there. But you can come over here and see how wonderfully spiritual I am. But don't go over there, Tiff. 
Because I don't want you to see my broken down walls. I don't want you to see my gates that are barely hanging on the gatepost. Don't go over there. And all the while we're distracting. Don't anybody look over here. And all the while we're distracting and presenting like everything is perfect because we've got this area taken care of. But all the while, when everybody leaves, it's the enemy that comes in through that hole. It's the enemy that comes in from that gate. It's a simple concept, I'm telling you, but it's a struggling concept. And here's how I know because I've struggled with it. Here's how I know because the enemy at times in my life has just been allowed to freely come in. And you know what I said to myself? I said, God, am I not faithful? God, God, am I I not, do I not love you? And it's not about any of that. What it is, it's about my responsibility to make sure that my borders are secure, to make sure that there is safety and comfort in my life, not so that I can just live comfortably, but so that the enemy can't run it in. Because you're sitting here today and you're, you're looking at me and you're questioning, well, I'm faithful. Will I give to the Lord? Will I do this and I do that? Yes, we do. That's why we miss it sometimes. Because it has nothing to do with any of that. What it has to do with is making sure the places in our life that should be bordered up or bordered up. And what do I mean by that? When it comes to a decision, you're sold on it. Are you sold out for the Lord? Because when we're sold out to God, things begin to change around us. Struggles and situations that would tear people down, they don't affect us anymore. And what do you mean they don't affect us? Because when I know that heaven is my home, it doesn't matter what the doctor report says. That hurts in the natural, but in the spiritual it doesn't matter. Because I know that I know that I know. And I'm not going to miss out because I don't want something to get through my gates and into my city. At times, do you know what, if it, do you know what defenseless identity looks like? It looks like depression. Defenseless identity looks like anxiety. Defenseless identity looks like doubt. A defenseless identity looks like anger. A defenseless identity looks like fear. All of these things... All of these things that have become so common to us that we never used to utter before. And I realize you got to talk about them because people need to talk. I get all that. But there are things that we are facing. When you know Jesus Christ, He is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. And when you know these things, there are situations that we could take to Him. But what we do is we just say, I'll just ignore it. Let me put a little tarp over it. Anybody ever done that? Let me just put a little tarp over that area so the enemy can't get in. Why is it that I'm suffering from so much depression lately? Why is it? Is it because the seasons are changing? I'm going to say things because they're phrases that we come up. Am I just going through a mood swing? Why am I, why am I so hostile? Why am I so hostile lately? Why do I get angry so easy? What am I, why, do I, why do I have fear? Where, where did this fear just manifest itself from? I was walking through my day and everything was fine and all of a sudden, boom! It just hit me like a ton of bricks. You know why? Because the walls are open. We never closed them. How long have they been down? I don't know. How long have the gates been off the hinge? I can't tell you. I'll get to gates in here in a minute, but I, but I can't tell you. I can't give you an accurate description of how long because only you can know how long. Only you can say, my wall is down, my gates are down. I, I, can't, I can't speak that for you. What I can do is I can just talk about the commonness of the 
church, the commonness of the body, and the struggles that not only I face, but that you face. They're coping mechanisms. Debilitating, to say the least. If we stay in that state of depression or fear or anger too long, do you know what it becomes? Our identity. It becomes our identity. Because now who you used to be, we actually call it that. That's who I used to be. But this is who I am now. It's why it's so important to understand the state that we are in before we start building or start doing anything. Because if who I am now is not who I used to be or who God wants me to be, you can build all day long. And all you know He's going to do, come in and tear it back down. Because it's not built to the way that He had intended for it to be built. We've got to check in our spirits the, 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 the security of our, of our cities and our identities because what I don't want to be known as as a Christian is I don't want to be known as a Christian who fears. I don't want to be somebody who is known as somebody that battles with depression. I don't want to be somebody that's somebody that battles with anxiety. I don't want to be, now I'm not telling you those things aren't going to come, but there's no reason they should live and sit on us. And we've gotten comfortable with these things to the point that we identify with them now. We make places for them. Do you realize that? Walls and sit and gates have been down for so long that we have actually invited these things in and built residence for them. Do you realize that? We have. We have adopted groups. We have adopted places. We have adopted things because we have gotten so comfortable with them being around. Come on, you got to hear me this morning. They were never intended to be there. They, it, you know what Jerusalem was called? The holy city. Do you know what the holy city represents? Purity. Gloriousness. Don't get me wrong. There were money changers and Jesus had to clean them out. But that's what he does. That's why we gather together so the Lord can clean things out and make sure they're there. And all the while, he's trying to clean out your fear and your depression and your anger. And all you're doing is go, go to your home. And your home is still in the city. And we're never casting it out or allowing him to do his will. We have allowed the enemy to build strong towers in our lives to the point that we don't kick them out. God wants us to see that today. It's why I'm coming from the place of Hananiah, not Nehemiah. Nehemiah, we will start there next week. But you got to understand what's going on in your life. And I can't tell you that. Only God can show you those things of what needs to be moved out of your life. One minute you're fine, the next minute fear. One minute you're there, the next minute depression. The world will tell you that you're this or you're that, that you got a chemical imbalance, that you've got a mood swing. Oh, that's just the age in your life of what you should be going through. That's a lie from the devil. That is a lie from the devil because I know a God, a God who will make you whole. I know a God, a God who will make you free. Clear. I know a God who will make you free. I know a God who will unbind chains. That's the God that I serve, and that's the God that I know. But our faith, our city, is defenseless. Our faith is just left alone in the valley. We didn't build any walls. We didn't build any protection. What we did is we came running to Jesus, and then we said, all right, all the work's done. And he said, no, now the work starts. And we get comfortable. That's why it's not for the masses. Please understand me. It's not for the masses. And you know why it's not for the masses? Because most people don't want to put in work. 
You know what this Bible is all about? It's about work. It's why it's called the Acts of the Apostle. It's what they did. This Bible is all about it. If you think you can just come to know the Lord and sit on your hands, you're in the wrong place. Because that's not what Jesus is teaching, and that's not what he's about. You know what he's teaching? He's teaching us how to be overcomers. How to be overcomers and walk in the pureness of the Lord and walk in the strength of the Lord. If we're going to walk in the strength of something, we got to know how to operate in it. And God is giving us the tools today. It's why at times we can find ourselves going up and down. Up and down. You ever been there? You ever gone up and down to the point that you get roller motion sickness? Yeah, me too. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. How many of you are tired? Tired of living in open cities with no gates? How many of you are tired of the enemy coming in to maybe you or your spouse? How many of you are tired of the enemy coming in just going pop, 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 just to walk out and leave with all, all of the rubble still on the floor? How many of you are tired of it? How many of you are sick of it to the point that you want to do something about it? Because I know a God that's able to free us from these areas and these issues. Do you know as a nation we spend $877 billion on national defense? $877 billion on national defense. I love my country. I love my country for the freedoms. Do you know why we have the freedoms? Because we spend $877 billion on national security. Doug, I am thankful for your service. I am thankful for the men and women that have fought to provide us with that service. Are you not? Listen, listen. America is not perfect, but I am thankful for. I am thankful for a place where freedom, where I have the freedom to go into this book. I have the freedom to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I have the freedom to stand upon the freedom of religion. I have the freedom to stand upon the freedom of speech. And if it don't line up with this book, you better believe I'm going to say it. I've got that freedom because we have fought for it. Then why, church? Why, if we love and appreciate that freedom, have we stopped fighting for our own freedom? The enemy is the adversary. Did you know that? He wants to destroy you. He doesn't want to be your friend. He doesn't want to entice you with sugar. He doesn't want to be anything about you. He wants to destroy you. So if we know that, why are we not defending ourselves against him? Why are we not utilizing the weapons of our warfare? Why are we not building cities and gates and allowing God to do his will. It hit Nehemiah so hard. He understood the concept. If the city was defenseless, their identity would be lost. It moved him. It moved him what their identity was going to be. Their identity was going to be a people who were easily looted and easily plundered. Church, if we are not careful, our identity as Pentecostals is going to be a people who go on really high highs and really low lows. We go on really high tops and we go on really low bottoms. Being a Christian isn't about the highs and the lows. It's about the middles. It's about sustaining so that you don't peak out and then bottom out. God, when he puts measures and strength around us, it's all about giving us the ability to move forward so that we don't go way up 
and then way down so that it's an understanding of how we walk in the newness of the Lord every day. How we walk in His fullness. How we step in and press in. That when times get tough, my God is able to get me through. Anybody with me this morning? There are things and places in our lives that we have got to shore up. Because if we don't, the enemy is just openly going to come in. And like Nehemiah during, and like Jerusalem during Nehemiah's time, we're suffering because of it. We're suffering. How many people that you, do you know, or yourself maybe, that you've been struggling with the same thing for year after year after year? It's not because God didn't deliver you. Because He did it on the cross. What it is is that I'm not building walls. So the enemy's just coming in and he's slapping me. I know. You're getting tired of hearing the same thing. And you know what God said to me? I'm getting tired of seeing the same thing. I'm getting tired of seeing it time after time. I bring you into my bosom. I bring you in to love you. I bring you in with mercy and grace only for you to walk out and just to stumble in it again. It's not for us to stumble on any longer. It's for us to be, become defensive in our posture, in our stance. Solomon said this in Proverbs 25 and 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. There are things that we can do. And when we display broken walls, we get out of order and out of control. The name of the Lord, Proverbs 18 and 10, is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are safe. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? Do you worship Him with all that He is and all that you are? Do you worship? Because you know what those are? Walls. Those are walls. And an understanding that my God is my God. That my God is the God. That my God is the only God. That there is one name. His name is Jesus. There is one baptism and there is one faith. That is what the Bible speaks of. And that is the belief that we stand upon. Once we've made up our minds, walls begin to form. As walls begin to form, an identity begins to surface. But how good are walls if your gates aren't closed? How good are walls if your gates aren't closed? You know what the Bible says? The devils know the Scriptures. The devils believe. So what good is it to have walls if we don't have gates? There were ten gates in the old city of Jerusalem. Pop those up there for me if you would. There were ten gates, and I want to quickly go through these gates this morning. There was the sheep's gate, the fish gate, the old gate. I love the names. They are pretty simple. The valley gate. This is my favorite one. The dung gate. The fountain gate. The water gate. The Bible had water gate before America had water gate, believe it or not. That was an old reference for those of you that know politics. The horse gate. The east gate. And the inspection gate. These gates are not just there to uh, represent, but they were points of protection. Places of checks where we, they would allow things to come into the city. Follow me. Into the city. What are you allowing to come into your city? When you don't have a door, we oftentimes leave that door open because we want the presence and the noise to move outside, do we not? But we ought to close the door when we don't want things to come in. If you don't have gates, your city is useless. Because you can love God all day long, but if you don't put up protective barriers on things, things are just going to walk right in. Here, see how shallow I am? Simple. Simple. But yet, you know what we do? We get happy just having walls. 
We get content just having walls. And all the while, there's, there's, there's evidence of how we need these gates, the sheep's gate. The sheep's gate is where we're going to start at the start up there. The sheep's gate is where the sheep would be brought in to be used in what? Sacrifice. You know what the significance is of the sheep's gate? Jesus, the spotless lamb. I'm not trying to preach. I'm trying to teach to somebody this morning. The cross is the first gate you put on your city. The cross, baptism in Jesus' name. It's why it's so important. Baptism in Jesus' name. If I've got walls because I believe, that's fine and great, but I don't have any gates. And as I start to understand the sheep's gate and the understanding that that's the door that he moves into, i got to put that baby up real quick. i got to make sure that I'm washed in the blood. I've got to make sure that I go down in the sacrifice of the Lord. It's the sheep's gate that I've got to put up. You've got to know that you know that you know. And when anybody questions how you've been baptized, there's only one response. In the only name that the Bible says that we should, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you know how strong that gate is? People will say, well, what about the titles? Well, what about the titles? Show me an example where it was at. You can't show me an example where it was at. You can show me what Jesus said. He said, in the name of, in the name of, in the name of, and we know His name to be Jesus. Amen? And when you put that gate up, people are going to kind of try to come and they're going to knock and you're going to go, what do you believe? Nope, can't come in. Can't come in this place because it's settled. It's secure. I'm not just letting anybody and anything come in. It's been established. This is where the sacrifice takes place. When the gate is secure, the enemy cannot come in and tell us lies. The enemy can't tell us lies because we know the truth. Gate number two is the fish gate. It's the gate the fishermen who were fishing in the Sea of Galilee would bring their fish in to be sold by. It's so close to the sheep's gate because it's when we know, because when we come to know the Lord, you know what the first thing we do is? Tell somebody else. You remember when you first come to know the Lord and how excited you are? Do you know that there's statistics that will tell you that if somebody witnesses, they're going to witness in the first two years of their baptism? Two years. I'm looking at faithful people here this morning, and I don't know anybody that was just baptized two years ago. But that tells us because it's so close, the gates are so close, that what happens is we start losing our desire to tell people about Jesus because we just begin to live life. And I'll show you the life that we begin to live. We begin to move to the next gate. And we begin to forget about our witness. Why? Because we've got these gates and these structures that we've got to build. And when we don't build them, the, the adversary ravages us. So we don't have the ability to have a complete fortress around us. We just get ravaged time and time again. But it's at the fish gate where we witness because it's so close to the sacrifice that Jesus made. Gate number three is the old gate. The old gate stands for the original gate. The old gate stands for truth. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. There is a desire and a passion for people to change this book. There is a desire and a passion that the world wants to change the way this is taught. The old gate says, not on my watch. The old gate says, I have bought the truth and I am going to sell it not. The old gate says, well, there's new ways to do things, isn't there? The old gate says, no, there's not. The old gate says, in the beginning, God. And from that point in time, he began to establish everything. The old gate is hard because I'm a new head. 
and I want to invent new things. You know what we don't need right now? We don't need new. We need old. We need solid. We need foundation. It's why we need our elders. It's why we need people who it's why we need people to stand and witness. It's why we need people who can testify to the truth. It's why we need it because it's old and people can't say, "Well, I don't think it's trusted and true." And people say, "I've been standing on it for 55 years and I can claim that it's true and I know his promise." The old gate, truth Buy the truth and sell it not. Truth is truth and it has not changed. Ryan started us out this morning. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not changing and neither should we. Jeremiah 6 and 16 says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Stop and look. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel this path and you will find rest for your soul. He didn't say find the flashy new path. He said when you're at a crossroad, look and stand. Test out the things that are around you. Look for the old path. Look for the old way and travel down that road. That's what Jeremiah said. We don't need new. We need old. Amen. I love the old songs. Do you not? I love those old songs. Number four is the valley gate. The valley gate is farthest, the farthest gate away. And as you can see, the valley gate, the valley gate is in proximity down here by the river, but it's also in proximity to the valley. The valley of Hibdon was to the valley gate's side. The valley gate is where people will begin to walk out into the valley and begin to look at all the beauty and the nature of the land. You know what's important about the valley gate? The importance of the valley gate is things don't grow on the mountain. Things don't grow on mountaintops. Do you know where things grow? In the valley. Here's the thing, church. The Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Right? Isn't that what he says? Every day we are walking in the valley. Why do you need a gate on the valley? Because you're not supposed to bring that stuff home with you. And we bring it into our homes. We put it on our televisions. We say, oh, look how bad this world is. And then we laugh and giggle at it on our TV. We say, oh, look how horrible. And we put it in our ears and listen to it in our ears. The valley gate was supposed to stay in the valley to keep the valley out so we can come back in. But growth happens in the valley. You say, I don't want valleys. you got to have valleys so you can grow. Because that's where the strength comes from. It's an understanding that, yea, though I walk through the valley, thou art with me. You see the gate? People are going to tell you. People are going to tell you you can't overcome it. You can't get through it. And you can say, but he is with me. And you begin to walk into it. Number five, my favorite of the gates. It is close to the valley gate. Uh, I don't even see it up there. But it's close to the valley gate. It's right next. Oh, there it is. There's the gate right there by the building. You just don't see it. It's the dung gate. Everybody say dung gate. I dislike the word. I think we should use it more often. The dung gate is, the where, is where garbage would be taken out. The dung gate is necessary because it's where garbage that is entered in is removed. Hear me. Simple. If all you're doing is hoarding garbage, you got nowhere for it to go. But the gate of the dung isn't to bring garbage in, it's to take garbage out. 
is to move things out so that you're not stuck in it. We can't let stuff come through the valley gate and stay. It's got to be removed through the dung gate. I'm quickly hurrying through the gates, the fountain gate. The fountain gate is located on the other side. It's near the pool of Shiloh right there. The fountain gate is important because as we go through the valley and as we rid the muck and the mire, we've got to wash ourselves clean. It's why repentance is so important. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a continually time after time after time. And as I've gone through my valley experience and I've rid all that crud in my life and God has broke bondages and barriers, I begin to turn and be washed clean. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. It's the presence of God. Moving into our lives, John 7 and 38, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, the Holy Ghost. It's why we need the Holy Ghost. It's why we need the operation of the Holy Ghost. Because if we don't have the Holy Ghost, you know what we got? Just a bunch of dung. Just a bunch of dung. There's no way to clean it. Gate number seven is the water gate. It's the word. We preach a lot about the Word. I don't need to go into it. There's no replacing it. There's no separation from it. We've got to be in the Word. You don't need to take my word for it. You need to take His word for it. And you need to be in. Number eight is the horse gate. Horses during David's time represented war. God is victorious. God is victorious when we set this gate. And our defense. we are not defenseless because we understand, come what may, when that last trumpet sounds. The dead in Christ shall rise, and we will meet him up in the air. And you know how he's coming? He's coming on a horse. He's coming with flaming tongue as a fire. He's coming to separate, and he's coming for our victory. We sang about it at the beginning of church. It's the gate that we've got to establish, Patrick. No matter what anybody says, my mind is set on him, and he controls the battle. Number nine is the east gate. 2 Timothy 4 and 8 says this, And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of His return. And the prize is not just for me, but who are all eagerly awaiting for Him to appear. We've been talking in the end times about the battle of Armageddon. You know where He lands? He lands up on that Golgotha hill. And you know where that is? Right out the east gate. Right out the east gate. When you begin to look up, we don't have to fear this world because our eyes should be set up upon Jesus and when our eyes are it doesn't matter what we face you got to set the gate though church you got to set the gate because doubt will cause you to take that gate down doubt will cause you to question and the final gate is the inspection gate and this is the hardest gate of all because this is where God begins to come in and inspect our lives it's talked about a lot in different situations but before that priest ever was able to go into the holies of holies you got to understand he had to know he was pure he had to know he was clean the inspection gate is a place where God comes and begins to look just at you and he begins to examine it's the hardest gate you know why because we have And we're proudful. And we don't want anybody to tell us anything. And we definitely don't want God to come in and tell us stuff. We just want to live how we want to live. But when we don't have this gate open, the enemy comes in and he begins to sow things. You're fine just the way you are. He begins to come in and sow lies and tell us, you need to blend in with the world. You need to be like this or you need to be like that. Because we don't allow God to come in and speak to us in the inspection gate. Stand with me this morning. I told you at the very beginning 
I'm not coming from the perspective of Nehemiah this morning. I'm coming from the perspective of Hanani. I'm coming from the perspective of a brother who just enters into a room to greet his, his, uh, his brother and to say encouraging things to him. And all the question, all of a sudden the question was asked, how are the state, the gates and the walls of the city? How are the people doing? And the response of Hanani was, is they're defunct. They're being destroyed on a daily basis. They're being beaten. They're being slaughtered. They're being stole from. And I come to you from that perspective because not only have I witnessed it, I've seen it, church. We're not, we're not supposed to sit in a place of weakness. We are supposed to sit in a place of power and a place of glory. And when we start to secure and fortify our walls, there's nothing that will come in that we don't allow. Hear me. There's nothing that will come in because God has set the structure because we're working with God and setting significant points in our life that the adversary has no place to come in. You know why? Because there's watchmen on the wall like a preacher. There's watchmen like a pastor that are coming and saying, close your gates. Get your walls rebuilt. The enemy's right away. The city was positioned so that it could see far around. I'm telling you, I'm positioned right now in the Lord to see things. And I've been telling you for quite a while, there's battles that are going on. And it's time for us just to stop saying, we'll be fine. It's time for us to start saying, I'm going to put some gates. I'm going to put some walls. Who's with me this morning? Who's hearing it? Who has got a response like Nehemiah this morning? Who, is the, who, who has God talked to this morning to say, God... Let me find myself weeping and begin to rebuild these walls. This altar is open this morning. If you don't feel comfortable coming, why don't you find a place to pray right, right where you're at? But I wonder if we can just search them out. Not as a response to a message, but as a call to my heart and to your heart to say no more is the enemy going to be able to attack me. I'm going to put things in my life that need to be there. Come on, let's pray. taking the time to listen to this message from the church. We hope you feel encouraged by the words you have heard today and would love the opportunity to get to meet you in person if you ever find yourself in Normal, Illinois. 
For more information on what's happening and to discover ways to connect, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and never miss a service. Also, follow us on social media. Find us on Instagram by searching thechurch.normalil or on Facebook by searching The Church. Direct links can be found in the show notes. 